Welcome back. You are listening to episode 76 of Double Hoppy, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, we are going to start off with, get right into it, start off with some news from the craft beer scene. Can, can you believe it's already September? I, I can't no. believe that fall is now upon us. And of course... As we mentioned in our last episode, Shannon's already t- dabbled say, in the pumpkin beer. It's now socially acceptable for me to be drinking the pumpkin beer, so I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on board too. I've started to get pick up some Oktoberfest beers. Didn't get to brew one this year. Kind of missed the boat on that one. I was like, ooh, wait a minute. It's mid-August. I can't ha- brew an Oktoberfest in time, so I'll just enjoy yeah, You definitely could have had one, but you just it wouldn't be ready for... The season of October. Yeah. And again, there's so many great ones out there that I'll let the pros handle it this year and I'll dabble in it next year. How kind of you. How you want to upstage me. the pros. I mean, I've also been brewing a lot. So right now I'm almost at full capacity and I will be at full capacity once I brew my next two beers that I have on the schedule. Okay. We are also a craft beer podcast. So it's hard to come by news these days, but we have some craft beer news to share. Sapporo, as many of you know, Japan's oldest beer brand, has closed its acquisition of Stone Brewing, one of my favorites, for $165 million, and that was August 31st that they finished up that acquisition. So, Wouldn't that be nice to have $175 million? $65 million? Sorry, $165 just throw around. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it'd be nice. Also, the beer Boston Beer Company has launched a new campaign on its truly hard seltzers, recently announcing in their new campaign that they have reformulated with real fruit juice using fruit flies as their campaign, kind of, instead of having a famous person, which they did, now they have fruit flies to do their commercials, I guess. This is disgusting. Yeah. I'm not a fan Shannon couldn't even get herself to watch the commercial because it just zooms in on fruit flies just crawling over the truly cans. Why would this like... Showing, trying to show that, you know, now they are using real fruit. So only fruit flies would be attracted to the real fruit. So now you're telling me before you were not using real fruit, which... Okay, gross. Second of all... What do you mean? They use... A lot of your hard seltzers use concentrates okay. and other okay, fine. artificial I take that flavors. part back. I take that part back. Okay. As I say, before <laughs> Shin quickly redacted that statement because I would show her the list of beers and other hard okay, drinks fine. that she that has artificial. Scratch that from the record. But redacted. I sit near at work. There's a co- there's a coffee station and they have fruited water every day, like spa water. Oh wow, how nice. Yes, very fancy schmancy pants over there. And there are fruit flies all the time. And I like, it's so annoying and gross. Like I don't want to be eating where there's a bunch of fruit flies and drinking beverages that fruit flies have been in. Isn't that like when John Taffer goes on to bar rescue and he's like, look at all these fruit flies. Like (laughs) nobody wants that. So I don't see the appeal. Okay. You could show me you're using real fruit in a different way than fruit flies. And now I just feel gross and I don't want to drink your product. I guess it's, I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. I guess it's doing it, its point so. because, oh, uh, buzz. Oh, uh, you got um, it. Yeah. I guess it is It is achieving the objective. Congratulations, marketing department at the Boston Beer Company, but gross. <laughs> but gross. I'm going to say it's a no from me. And then, James, you also brought to my attention kind of a interesting story that is quacktastic. And that's quacktastic. <laughs> And that is that there's some Cincinnati breweries where this gentleman 
um, has a bird ranch. So his name is Jimmy Longbottom, first of all. Amazing <laughs> I, name. I Under, knew. Any relation Here to we Neville, go. Harry, Harry Potter reference. Here we go. But I just really appreciate that a Longbottom has a bird ranch because that's very fitting. They love nature and plants and animals and things of that nature. So anyways, the so he is going to bring his ducks to breweries. Yeah, his domesticated ducks yes. uh, from the bird ranch to give guests of the brewery a chance to feed, pet, and potentially hold. Potentially. potentially. There's no guarantees about the holding sure situation. PETA is not too happy about it. Yeah, so I guess he's not the chosen one because he's going to breweries and, you know, sharing ducks. Yeah. Is this, I wonder if it's like a therapy duck situation? Like they have therapy I mean, I guess the goal come. is to bring fan, like f- something for families to do, either at a brewery, just another activity. And again, it kind of ties together with this whole a- tying together beers and animals. I mean, I know a lot of logos out there for a lot of your craft breweries are animal-based. And same with naming mm-hmm. of certain beers. So I guess it only makes sense to start bringing in the animals. I mean... We're already acting like fools and animals at breweries, so might as well get some real <laughs> animals there to liven it up a little bit. Some real wildlife to accompany the wildlife. So I, I hope those ducks and the, the beers at the breweries that they're going to will give them something to quack about. Um, I just feel like ducks sometimes be very erratic. Like they're just like wherever they want to go. They're always like running around. Oh, he's got like a pen or something to corral them. Or like a small pond or something. Yeah, they also just go to the bathroom wherever they feel like it. So watch out. Yeah, so I guess that's going to be in September and October. There's certain dates. So if you're in from Cincinnati, uh, there's about nine breweries that will be part of this. So he'll be traveling. The ducks will be migrating to different uh, breweries. Yeah. And his company is Longbottom Bird Ranch, if you want to look it up. That's Jimmy Longbottom to you. <laughs> Jimmy Longbottom. This poor guy. He's going to be like, oh, man. Anyway, kudos to him. Yeah, Something I mean, it's a cool it's a cool idea. You got to make a living somehow. And on the animal subject, uh, I know recently in Massachusetts, there's been some zoos that in across the United States where they're doing brew at the zoo. And it's not, unfortunately, brewing at the zoo because that'd be kind of cool. Um, it's more of that you kind of have, it's like a beer festival that mm-hmm. goes on so you can have some drinks and get to see the animals, which is, again, a cool idea. But I, I wish they took it a step further and like actually set up like. But where would you thing. store the beer after you brewed it? I mean, you'd obviously you wouldn't store it at the. You uh, just take it zoo. home with you. The, the comp whatever. But if you can't control the temp on the way home and things go awry. I guess you couldn't like pitch your yeast till you got home. Otherwise, it's gonna be sloshing around back of your car. I'm sure there's a stall somewhere that's not being used. <laughs> They'd have they to get... make like their own storage facility. And things like that. For you. I'm sure they could figure it out with a, whatever company would come to do it, where they could have a trailer that they'd end up transferring all the beer into, and so it already. Ooh, instead of like a zoo train or like the circus trains, it's just a beer train, like a brewing beer on the train. And this is Shen who has that little toy that we have for our daughter, <laughs> where it's called the zoo train. It's climb aboard the zoo. Yeah, train. Yeah, James did not look at the packaging when he purchased it, and there's no off button. Yeah, so, so make sure if you have children or you're new to having you, children, uh, and you get toys that have sounds, just to make sure there is an on and off button. Yeah, Otherwise, you will hear it over anytime and over it and over. slightly rolls. Anytime there's more than the normal vibration walking by on the floor. Yes, yeah, so. Heads up if you go to Walmart and see that. Well, I'm going to tell you all a story. Funny story. Oh, okay. Okay, She just put her hands up. Like, I'm going to, and she just, she just put her (laughs) hand down on the desk. I had to readjust my headset. She's like, all right, I'm going to tell a funny story. My headphones. I had to readjust for this story. 
So I, uh, we all told you last episode about a sale that was happening. And I came home on August 24th and James goes, listen, you're going to be so proud of me. So proud. And I said, why would you do? And he goes, I, Spike had the fermenter that I wanted on sale and I resisted. I used my willpower and I did not buy it. And I said, good for you. That was a great decision. So proud. Awesome job. Fast forward. Came home hours the later. next day from work. James goes, oh, so I, I just, I went ahead and I, I got that fermenter. Yeah. My, my willpower lasted 24 hours. Like less hours. than 24 hours. The warehouse sale is just too good to pass up. So uh, in light of that, with Spike Brewing's warehouse sale, we have now added a CF10 conical fermenter to the fleet. And this will be the first of the spike. <laughs> Other than um, our condensing lid that we've gotten from them, that's the only two accessories, or that was the only piece of Spike Brewing equipment that uh, Double Hot Beat Podcast and uh, Spice City Brewing had in their fleet. So as part of this, um, I did a little unboxing video to go along yeah. with it. Um, just because I know there's a lot of, especially myself was doing a lot of research before when I was upgrading from my plastic buckets, whether I wanted to go with SS Brewtech fermenters or Spike uh, Brewing fermenters or um, some of the other companies out there that have stainless fermenters. And there's a lot of pros and cons to each of the different ones. And so... A lot of the times you don't know what you're getting with your fermenter. So you have to just make sure you go on their websites and look at what you're going to get. So as part of the unboxing, what's included with the CF10 conical fermenter? You're going to get of stuff. lots of stuff. Your two inch, which is kind of massive elbow for your dumping of your yeast that goes on the bottom port of the CF10. You get a one and a half TC sample valve, which is very cool, very sturdy, and I'm Really excited to see what how that pulls samples when I brew with it. You're also going to get your one and a half TC butterfly valve for your racking. You get a two inch dump butterfly valve for your bottom dump valve. And you get your TC thermometer, your lid, which comes with on the lid, there's three ports. So you have your port for your blow off. You have your port for your hop additions, which is nice. And then you also have your port for your pressure release valve if you go that route and you want to pressurize your tank. And it's also going to come with your T-bolt clamp for the lid, which I'll talk about that in a little bit. It also has a 90 degree blow off barb included, three feet attachments that go on the legs that just for stability. And you'll get six one and a half TC gaskets as well as two two inch uh, TC gaskets that go along. So basically you get all the gaskets you need for the parts that's included. You get the clamp, TC clamps, just enough for everything that's included. And again, I have, I post the picture of that so you can see exactly what you get out of box. And again, the lid gasket, which I'll talk about in a minute as well. You'll get a nice little booklet that has some QR things to scan for instructional videos on assembly and everything, which is nice. And some pictures that kind of chronicles what Spike's all about, which is kind of cool to see if you're new to brewing and you kind of need some ideas to get you going. Okay, so first thoughts. So shiny. <laughs> James is attracted to shiny things more than me. Uh, I guess so. Really great no, welding. No, not attracted more to them than me. I More than I'm attracted to shiny things. You're attracted to shiny things more than I'm attracted to shiny things. Especially if it's brewery related, I guess. Yes. 
Unless you are attracted to them more than me, then there's an issue. Oh, God. I don't know what you're referring to there, but... So it also... Uh, I know a lot of people had concerns over having three legs on the conical fermenter as far as how stable it is. I found it to be extremely stable. I filled it with water while I was cleaning it with my dish soap solution to kind of make sure all those manufacturing oils were off of that before I went ahead. And then I kind of overkill and I just did a light thing with sanit sanitization. I did a sanitize mixture with star sand. Um, again, it's kind of overkill. I think the the dish soap with the water would have gotten all those oils off and would have done a nice job of passivating the equipment by itself. But I just always like to use star sand and just really make sure I get a good layer on there to protect that stainless steel. It's just so shiny, so beautiful. Got to keep it, got to keep it that way. Really easy to assemble. And again, the one benefit that I see already with this conical is because it the whole lid comes off for cleaning. It's going to make cleaning a breeze. I know with uh, my SS Brewtech conical fermenters, it only has a smaller port on the top that opens. So that, again, trying to get all those crevices, unless you're using a CIP ball valve, it could be really helpful for someone just starting out brewing as far as cleaning these things out after a nice hoppy beer that goes into it. All right, the lid T-bolt clamp. So this was probably my only negative that I've seen with it, and again, it's only because I'm still getting used to it, is it's just a giant clamp that has to go around the entire lid on the top. And at first, like handling it, like it's very sharp. It can be very sharp. So just be careful when you're handling it and just make sure with the T-bolt, the how it works. There's plenty of instructions out there to just make sure it's vertical and how to tighten it. So just check out those videos before you start playing around with it. Again, not a big deal. Uh, it's something that if you're used to spike brewing and you're used to that lid, it's it. once I became familiar with it after like a 10 minute period of playing around with it and looking at the videos, it's not a big deal. But just something I want to mention, just be very careful when you're handling that piece of equipment just so you don't get slices in your fingers don't want that no you do not want that nobody wants blood beer and <laughs> yeah no one wants blood beer <laughs> unless you're in game of thrones true this is for five to ten gallon batches it holds 14 gallon capa total capacity and the lid gasket was one of the one things when i was reading up on these conicals of there's a lot of haters out there of these fermenters just because of this gasket that goes along the inner side of the lid and 99% of the time, it's because they didn't pay attention to Spike's directions on the proper orientation of the gasket itself, making sure you're putting the right end, the flat end in to the lid. And they are very clear in their instructions and it's all over the place. It's on the clamp. It tells you to make sure your gasket's in this orientation. It's got a picture of it. Their install video of assembly shows you exactly the way kind of work the gasket around. I had no issues whatsoever putting the gasket on. So again, if you're reading those reviews out there that say like this ga giant gasket's a pain to put in, just watch the video on how to put it in and I guarantee you, you'll not have any issues with it. It's simpler than you think. One other item that I think would be nice to have included with this conical would be the racking arm that goes into where you, the racking port with that would be nice with the butterfly valve. That's an extra accessory that you'll have to get. And again, I really do like the racking arms so that when if you have a lot of trube and you got a lot of yeast settling or especially a lot of hop debris in your fermenters, having it so you don't have the port facing up to where all that stuff can get in is just definitely a helpful and it gets a little bit more of the beer out. And keep 
keep in mind with Spike Brewing, one of their main things is that you're not paying for accessories you don't need or plan to use, which is a really nice vision that they had. But again, on the other hand, if you are used to other companies or competitors that include some of these accessories along with it, just you want to make sure that you're checking what's actually included in the conical. And again, the price point is comparable to all those other brands if you factor that in. So if you want all these other accessories, you'll be looking to pay more and that's where the competitors are at with their price point. So it's you get what you pay for sort of a thing. And I kind of like the piecemeal angle of this. So if you are an entry level brewer, you don't plan on ever fermenting under pressure, you just want to have a stainless conical to go in, then you can use it as that. But then in the future, you have the ability to add on the capabilities and the accessories that you'd be able to ferment under pressure as you gain experience brewing which is really nice. And I see a lot of the forums that people get these and they don't know how to pressure ferment. They don't want to pressure ferment. And then it really freaks them out that they're going to do something to make Mm -hmm. basically a bomb in their house. Um, Yeah, and we don't want that. So you're saying you do have to buy separate accessories if you want to upgrade this. Yeah. So, okay. okay. I thought at the beginning you said you did it and then I got confused. Yeah, no, you do have to, you you would have, you would. Exactly. Um, If you want to pressurize. If you want to go to the uni tank level, you will have to buy additional parts and pieces. Exactly. Okay. okay. But the base, the the fermenter is not going to change. You're not going to need to buy a whole new I just want to make sure everyone knows that if you want to upgrade, you do have to, it doesn't all come with it. Cool. 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 Yeah. So make sure you check out those videos on our Instagram page at Mm -hmm. Double Hoppy Podcast. And again, Bike's been adding a lot of new products coming up. So make sure you check them out to see what's coming out because some of their new products do go fast. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not a spokesperson for Spike or anything, so feel free to choose whatever equipment you want. But I'm excited to test out uh, a competitor to what I've been using for all these years. see what's different, how it works, yeah. I know you've been texting our friends to show it off, so. I know. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe we can try and get Ben on the show. Ben, if you're listening from Spike, uh, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Okay, well, well, that's enough of James, James talking. So, James' Shan, corner is over. On your home brewing front, what do you have next that you're planning? Well, first, uh, James very nicely went to the homebrew shop for me. And, well, you were there for other things, but at the same time, you picked up a glycerin packet and a packet of like oak extract. Those are, I can do a little pipette into my wine that I made. So the Riesling, the glycerin makes it a little bit sweeter. And I have not tried that one yet. I'll probably try that today or tomorrow. And then the oak gives it that, just that oaky, smoky flavor. Smoky oaky. Yeah. And it kind of brought it more to like a Chardonnay level for me when I added it. It kind of took me out of the Riesling taste. So I'm I'm probably going to reserve that for other style wines in the future, but... I'm excited to try the glycerin. And then James also brought a bottle of my wine and had some people taste it and got good reviews. So got I was really excited. good reviews. So I'm, I'm proud of you. Like you, Thanks. you were so na- like you, you were exactly what I am. Yeah, exactly. You know I'm how it is now, So James. negative on your own thing that you're just like, oh, like it's just so bad. And then other people are like, no, this is really good. Like I, like a lot of people brought out like that it had like that apple flavor to it in the Riesling. And it was very, they said it had some acidity, but that's what you would expect with a Riesling. So especially for your first try, I think yeah. it's a, it's a win. Well, your brother and our sister-in-law said it needs more alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Thir- it was a little light 12, on the alcohol. 12% was not enough so, for, for them. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm glad that I got good reviews and I look forward to making another one in the future. But in the meantime, I'm going to be trying a cider. I'm going to brew up some hard cider for the fall season. And yes, that's right, folks, our upcoming Halloween party because that's coming. It's coming really fast. Again, so trying to get prepped for that with all of the beverages that we require. So we'll have James's brews that are ready and then some more that he's going to be making, my wine, some cider, and then I'm also going to be bringing a pumpkin. So yeah, we'll, we just have, we'll have all the bases covered. <laughs> we'll have like, if anyone's got celiac, we'll have an option for them. Got gluten-free. We got We've gluten-free. Got... We'll have, uh, <laughs> it'll be an alcohol's delight. <laughs> yeah. Any, anything you need will be at our party. So. And right, maybe a regular seltzer, not a hard seltzer, but uh, flavored water. Yeah, maybe if we get around to it. We'll see how many kegs, if I have a keg Otherwise, left. we've got the uh, the fallbacks polar. Yeah, yeah. local. But I'm excited to try to make the cider. It looks like a pretty simple process, at least from the, the way that I'm going to do it. So I'm excited to see how that comes out and how much of a lift it is. And maybe we'll can put that into the repertoire for the years to come. But I'm going to have some fun with it. And Shannon mentioned the beers that are now ready. Yes. <laughs> People are going to be very excited to hear. The At Peach least, Blonde yes. is back by popular demand. Yeah, so the Peach Blonde is back. I'm excited. Our neighbors are excited. James is excited. This is a version of the Peach Blonde we did back in, what was that, March of last year for yeah, our brew off. off with Fenrir Brewing. Yeah, and so. this was a little different as well. This recipe, I, as I mentioned before in our last episode, I had to substitute out the Munich malt and substitute it with the Vienna. So I've tasted it and it's a lighter flavor, as I had mentioned in the last episode, but it's really good and it pairs really well with the addition of the peach puree. So that's how we got the peach flavor in this blonde ale. Used a good amount of aseptic peach puree. And again, my goal is eventually to use our fresh peaches being from New England in peach season and trying to align that and see kind of how those peaches and, and everything would go along with this this beer. But again, a slight iteration of what we've done before. And it's so so far, I think it's it's going to be good. Haven't distributed any for tasting yet. Well, it's still carbonating. So yeah, it's currently carbonating, getting that up to snub. It came in this time at 5.5% ABV, which is again, nice. It's not too heavy and it's not too light as far as a blonde goes. I think our last one was, I think four and a half or maybe five. Uh, I think check. it was just below five. I think it was just below five. I think it was 4.9. 4. I think, yeah, 4.8, 4.9. So that sounds, sounds about right to me. And then the stout that I brewed is also ready, and that's a 4.1% stout. So much different from our imperial <laughs> or whiskey flavored beer, imperial stout that we had done in yep. the winter time. That's going to be really nice. Again, I'm not a big stout drinker myself, so yep. I'm trying to figure out how that. When I'll probably just end up bottling it so that if someone's over that likes stout, yeah. I have something to offer. And again, I'm probably going to get a lot of messages after this episode saying, hey, I'll take some off your hands. But yeah, so excited about that. And my next beer that I will be brewing is, of course, a New England style hazy IPA. Yeah, he's really... Ooh. Where's the clapping? Hurting. I don't hear any clapping. Hurting for IPAs. All of James's fans cheering for the IPA. Yes. Being from 
New England. You have to have a New England IPA in your repertoire. Again, I haven't brewed one up until this point. I came pretty close with my experimental mm-hmm. haze, pale ale, and IPAs that I've done, but nothing truly, truly a New England style IPA. And I'm also excited for this beer because for the first time, I'm going to attempt a 30 minute boil instead of oh, the sick. 60. And again, the feedback I've gotten on that is that you can achieve the same level, especially for a New England IPA, from a 30 minute boil as a 60 minute boil. So is it just the same process except less time? Exactly. Okay. So you don't have to do anything different. There's no temperature change. And again, this is going to be a shorter boil. So again, for a New England style IPA, we don't need as much bitterness as the other IPA styles that I tend to enjoy, like the West Coast and everything. And again, the more focus will be on the whirlpool and the dry hops for this beer, as well as the yeast being used. So for this one, I plan to also use a new hop that I've never used. It's Yakima Chief's Cryo Hop Tri 2304 CR blend. And this has an alpha of 21.6%. So instead of using my Citra and Mosaic combo and maybe Galaxy in there for the whirlpool, I'm going to substitute this Cryo Hop. Uh, using that instead of those three. I also plan to use the Citra and Warrior and Galaxy Hop for the boil, and then the Citra and Mosaic combo for the dry hop on this beer. So there's a lot of hops going into this beer. It's going to be, I don't think it's going to be turbid. Um, oh, good. For those out there who <laughs> like that word from last week. So we'll see. We'll see how this comes out. I'm excited for it, though. Hoping good things. We'll yeah. see. I mean, when Galaxy, all my favorite hops are involved, I think I think we can only have some good things here. When the gang's all there. When the gang's all together. All together. And some other, we kind of hinted at or alluded to it last episode. James is very excited that he will be entering his first competition. Woo! <gasps> yeah. ah. ah. I feel like that deserves a clap. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, I think. I think, again, like many of you that are just so critical of your own beers and process and stuff, you know, competitions can be very overwhelming. They can seem like, you know, my beer will never be as good against some of these great brewers that are out there. But again, I've come to the determination that more feedback, the better, and you can only improve your beers by, you know, having people that are knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. um, tasting your beer and giving feedback to make it better. Yeah, and I feel like even if you don't place or, you know, win some sort of recognition, like you still are getting a lot out of it by having that feedback and other people that you don't know, some unbiased feedback coming in. So Yeah, and this is a great kind of get my feet wet into it because this is a local competition that's being held. I think it's the second annual from the Blackstone Valley Brewing Supply, my homebrew shop, as well as Lops Brewing. They're collaborating together on this competition, and I think there will be a first, second, and third place winner for these. And again, there's no entry fee for this, so that's a nice, again, an entry fee mm-hmm. is something that would might deter somebody from entering a competition, as well as like having to package your homebrews to send away somewhere. Yeah, you have a little more control. So I have a little bit more control of this being local and being able to just drop off. I think it's two 12-ounce bottles myself. So that's really nice. And again, it's not a big commitment of beer either. So I'm really looking forward to getting the feedback and seeing seeing how it does. And again, I'm between two different beers of what I will be submitting, either the Blonde Ale by itself or the Peach 
blonde. And so we'll see how that does. I'm not going to submit an IPA, even though I've had many people that have had my rye IPA, my first batch of it, wanting me to brew it again and submit that one. But I just know IPAs are pretty saturated in terms of copper uh, competitions that that's one of those categories of IPA that there's just so many and you're not going to potentially get as much feedback. And again, I got the blonde. So I think, I think I'll give that a whirl. Yeah. Excited to see what happens. Oh, what else is new? So much on the home brewing front, including I rebuilt with Charlie from the homebrew supply store, our whole CO2 system that was in my kegerator. I had a slow leak that I couldn't find by just simply doing the sanitizer in the bubble test. So when that happens, you have to take it all apart and kind of rebuild and figure out. But the great thing positive about doing that is you can expand to make it kind of more user-friendly for something else, another application that you might have. For my example, I've been using the tap cooler bottle filler as well as um, a growler filler. So I've been needing CO2 to purge my cans. Um, So in order to do that, I would have to get a whole separate CO2 tank, attach my single regulator, hook up the tubing, all to just do that. Now I have a separate line dedicated just for that from my kegerator. So I will just pull out the tubing from my kegerator that's already hooked up to the CO2. It's got a separate dial on the regulator so I can adjust the PSI for that specific line. And then I'll be ready to go to help my neighbors refresh their growlers and, (laughs) and such. Yeah. So I'm sure they're excited about that. And hopefully you'll save on CO2 a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Especially in a CO2 shortage. Don't want to be contributing to taking all CO2 from other home brewers out there in our area. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Well, I'm glad that you got that reconfigured. There was always a lot of frustration from the basement. Yes, (laughs) indeed. A lot of clanking and clamoring. And actually, that brings about a funny story of, and here's where I put my elbows on the table, so to speak, and readjust my headset here, of I recently also uh, cleaned all my beer lines. So again, I used a very simple bottle with some, some beverage line cleaner and cleaned my beer lines. And as I was doing that, I had re-hooked up everything, turned my CO2 on, And you know, when you clean your beer lines, you have to take your faucet, the tap off of each tower in order to really run that beer beer cleaner through the lines. Well, yeah, I was a little occupied hooking everything up underneath in the kegerator. And then go ahead, I turn on the CO2 and what happens? I luckily was wearing a hat and I got sprayed in the face oh, with yeah. beer shooting out I was like, Where of is this the going? tower oh, yeah. right at my head. Luckily, I was facing down. I had a baseball hat on, so I didn't get any beer to the eyes, but it was still quite comical. And again, it was pretty hot out th- that day. So yeah, this is refreshing. I got a good beer bath out of it. And luckily, it wasn't any of my homebrew. It was the uh, Blue Moon that was n- unfinished from our little block party that we had. So I didn't get to waste any of my homebrew. Thank God. Oh, thank God. And I just got a nice beer bath and it was just refreshing. And Spa nice. day. So a little uh, public announcement out there. Uh, just make sure before you turn on your CO2 again, if you're doing your beer line uh, cleaning and before you hook them back up to your kegs, just make sure your beer faucets are back on your beer towers because otherwise you will get a nice shower of beer on your face and your head. Okay. Well, we are going to end with that PSA today. So make sure you follow James's lead, everyone. <laughs> and don't get sprayed by beer. Don't get sprayed. Correct. Correct. <laughs>
Okay, well, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Double Hop Beat. We are always looking for homebrewers to share their stories. So if you are interested in coming on the show, please send us a direct message on our Instagram at Double Hop Beat Podcast, where you can also follow us and tag your friends. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. It really helps us get new listeners. Yes, and this has been Double, Double Hop Beat. Beat. Catch, Catch you on, on the brew side. side. Thank you.